folks, and welcome to The Farm, a podcast dedicated to culture, parapolitics, and high weirdness in all its many forms. This is your host, Recluse, a.k.a. Steven Snyder, the longtime curator of the Visa blog and author of The Art, The Secret History of Cywar, Conspiratainment, and the Shattering of Reality, Book One. If you like what you hear here today, be sure to check me out at visubview.blogspot.com. That's V-I-S-U-P-V-I-E-W, all one word, .blogspot.com. And procure a copy of that book and my other works at the Farm's official store, which is at The Farm Podcast, all one word, thefarmpodcast.store. And please consider signing up for The Farm's Patreon. On the lowest tier, you get two additional full-length shows per month. That's between three and four hours of bonus material with exclusive guests and content. The upper tier, you get that in addition to access to the farm's monthly Zoom party meetings, my dispatches from my various journeys across the United States and all the weird hotspots that I hit up, State of the Unions, where you get my musings on the geopolitical state of the world, and so much more. It's a lot of content, folks, so please consider checking that out. Okay, folks, joining me again for this outing is the great Dr. J. Michael Bennett, a.k.a. Doc Future, the longtime host of Futurequake. More recently, this fellow has been busy blogging and writing books. His blog is called The Two Spies Report, which can which can be found at Two Spies Report. That's all one word, Two Spies Report, and that's the number two, dot wordpress.com. And he's also released a book, The Groundbreaking, Two Masters and Two Gospels, which is available at all fine online book retailers. And finally, he is the host of the aptly titled Two Spies Report, on WRFN 103.7 FN, available to you all in the Nashville area. It airs each Thursday at 5 p.m. Central for one hour. And if you are not in Nashville, you can conveniently stream it by clicking on the arrow at the top of www.radiofreenashville. That's radiofreenashville, all one word, dot org. All right, we are going to continue our ongoing discussion here concerning Mr. Timothy Boward, formerly of Operation Underground Railroad, and the basis of the glorious propaganda film Sound of Freedom. We got a little sidetracked in the last one discussing potentially the end game for the Mormon Church and pushing fellows like Mr. Ballard, but we get back on track here and have some big revelations about the organization that he has constructed around Operation Underground Railroad and its successor groups, in addition to a lot of the various weirdness that he has become embroiled in as the years have gone on, most notably his bizarre revelations that happened in the midst of ketamine therapy. Yeah, it's going to be quite a show. So on that note, let us start it. to the the spear fund here right quick to get things back to uh, mr ballard here that that is his latest hustle if i'm not mistaken yeah yeah well it's funny of all the things that i thought maybe you might want to talk with me about 
I can go on to some deal about a lot of these things, but one of the things that has the least amount of information is the spear fund that I have access to. You may have more than me. What I do know was the spear fund was, it looks ostensibly like his fallback when he got thrown out of hour or it was getting to be very intense they suddenly just became the spokesperson for the spear fund it's still trafficking it's more like a foundation to invest in what people are doing originally when i first started tracking it there was only one other employee some woman her name was lopez or something but now they've gotten some other another husband and wife who are special forces type and they've added a bunch of other staff people but what's interesting, and this is just in the last week when you asked me to come on the show, I tried to find out a little bit more about it. And when I looked into the nonprofits, um, the 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 outfit that's really providing the resources for it is something called the Liberty and Light Fund. Have you have you heard of that? Uh, no, I have not. It sounds yeah. The Liberty and Light Fund, which is a term that I have since found in some other documents I have. He's sprinkled that term in several places, um, Ballard has, even before this. This outfit goes all the way back, where was it, 2017? But it has a different set of group running it. But they're sort of doing the bank rolling. And the reason why is because when I went on the Spear Fund, it was really shocking because most of this is all about raising money. That they should have a whole lot of stuff to show how to, you know, how to donate to it. That's their main focus. And they didn't have those easy to find funds or click here to donate. And I was shocked. And I had to look in the fine print. And I finally found an IRS number. Of a nonprofit. Now you you have to understand that I'm not really surprised that they would sort of do like a little shell game and a little switcheroo or bait and switch on what these things are because that's how they ran their operation originally. When they first kicked off Operation Underground Railroad and all this back around the end of 2013, and then he finally they they started all this stuff up before he quit his job. And according to him, M. Russell Ballard, the guy from the the head apostle of the Quorum of Twelve Apostles, was the one who kept triggering him to quit his job. So when he quit 2014, they were doing all this fundraising and telling people they were a nonprofit. Well, they had never even applied to be a nonprofit by that time. They were so busy getting money, they didn't even bother to do the, the legal tax records. So here's what they did. Did you know how they took over the Elizabeth Smart Foundation? Were you familiar with that? I'm familiar with the case of Elizabeth Smart, but no, that's very interesting. Tim Ballard and his group overtook the Elizabeth Smart Foundation. They had a nonprofit number because they'd been in business for quite a while. And what they did, I had to go through a lot of digging to sort of find out the early days what happened. And I've got I, my presentations go through a lot of documenting this and what they said. They piggybacked on their the nonprofit status of Elizabeth Smart Foundation and laundered all the money through that to come to them in total. What they also did was they took Ed Smart, who was Elizabeth's dad, 
who had helped run the foundation. You know, he does a lot of media stuff along with her. And and for any listeners who maybe don't remember this, um, they're a Mormon family. And, and, and if I could say something that this is going to be sort of crass on my behalf, and it's certainly not something that's universal, but I will tell you, when you use intuition and you use, um, you know, your experience and things, and you got to be careful because you don't want to stereotype people, and I don't want to. But one of the things I often find that's a first trigger when I suspect someone's connected to Mormon church is there's sort of like a glassy stare in their eyes. There's like a really, really clean cut visage that looks scrubbed and clean cut, but there's a little bit of a, a distant stare in their eyes. This is what I always saw in Ed Smart. It's also what I saw in Tim Ballard the first time I saw him. I assumed he was Mormon just because he has that kind of look like it's not all there. And a lot of the people that he's with, and maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm such a cynic that I see stuff like that, and that may be unfair. But I never really pictured this Ed guy fully understanding. They seem like nice folk. But anyway, they got hoodwinked into affiliating and being basically the, the mule, the money mule, for his activities well as it turns out he gave him a big job with a big salary tim uh um tim gave uh, ed smart this big job there for aftercare for the kids that were supposed to be treated you know after they rescued them and take care of them um they put elizabeth who's you know just a young lady put her on the board of the thing well, it turns out Ed Smart went on that fateful trip to Haiti. If you're familiar with that rescue operation where T Tim is obsessed with this rescue of this boy by the name of Gardy Marty. I don't know. Have you looked into that much? No, not too much. Uh, unpack it for us. Gardy Marty is the son of some gentleman in Haiti and I think, I haven't seen the movie, but I think they make a big emphasis of this even in the movie. Um, he, he is obsessed with finding this kid. Well, when they got down there, um, they went, he says, oh, I've got an insider. I've got an insider that will, uh, has finally smoking gun information and for all these years of where Guardy Marty is in, in the Dominican Republic, close to the border of Haiti. So they brought all their operatives and their their big special forces type thugs and others. Well, Ed Smart was on that trip. They went to a place where M. Russell Ballard, who was his insider connection on the top of the Mormon church, some place where they dedicated the Dominican as their missionary effort, and they treat it like a shrine where he could draw energy from it. So he was drawing energy from that before the rescue he called him Russell Ballard there, who 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 says that he's never been part of our at all. He swears this stuff. Well, he was calling and talked to him, and he was telling all the other operators there what's going on, and they want to know who this this oper this operative that was the insider provide the insider information of certainty that he he said he'd been using for all the time and an hour to for Operation Underground Railroad. Well, they finally revealed her, and this is this Miss Russon, who was a psychic. 
And the person who knew where Gardy Marty was was a psychic woman who supposedly talked to the ancient prophet Nephi, who the Mormons teach lived thousands of years ago in America. And she was talking directly and he was channeling to this woman in the car where Gardy Marty was. So all these operatives roll their eyes like, oh, my goodness, this is your lead that you brought us down here for. Of course, they looked everywhere, had no luck finding it anywhere. But that and some other things that he did shocked Ed Smart. And Ed Smart says, like, this is nothing like I thought was led to believe that this is. Furthermore, all of the recommendations Ed Smart had for how to take care of these kids they rescued, they just ignored all of them. So he basically, he and, and his daughter Elizabeth said, we've had enough of this. We're getting out. And supposedly this merger that they were doing, they were putting a stop to it. But after he did all that and said all that, afterwards, Tim Ballard still announced, yes, uh, Ed and Elizabeth Smart and their foundation have now been merged into ours, and they enthusiastically endorse what we're doing. And this was after the split. And I'm I'm sure you probably know that guys like, you know, Tony Robbins, the uh, motivational speaker, he was a big part of that in the early days, too. He was providing a whole lot of the resources for all this stuff to happen. And Tony Robbins, you know, had his own issues with accusations of underage girls that he'd been messing with and sexual assault and things. And I'm not saying that it was valid or not. I don't know. But I just know that he had that taint on him. But he's been in the middle of that in the early days as well. So um, anyway, I just didn't know if you were aware of that. But all along, they have piggybacked on these groups and not been totally forthcoming on where everything's going. So, th so this ID number that supposedly goes to the Liberty and Light Foundation, which has been around way, way, way before the Spear Fund started, supposedly. Uh, if you look on the actual tax records, IRS tax records I looked at this year, it's actually called the Equity Trust Foundation. And so it has a third name. And uh, just to mention a couple other books, you mentioned about, uh, was it George Washington Hypothesis? Um Tim Ballard also wrote a book called The Abraham Lincoln Hypothesis. And this book says that Abraham Lincoln read the Book of Mormon, and that's what inspired him to write the Emancipation Proclamation. And that basically he became a Mormon, which I don't know if that's news to you or me. I never learned that in school, that Abraham Lincoln became a Mormon. But um, in fact, they were still pretty much a uh, very much a fringe activity by that time, as I understand it. But uh, this is how they do this grand mythology of tying freedom, anti-slavery, abolitionism to the Mormon church. This is one of the great contributions of the Mormon church. He also wrote a book called... Um, the Pilgrim Hypothesis. Are you, are you familiar with that one? No, I'm not as familiar with that one. The, I, I don't think he mentioned He mentions the Lincoln stuff in his Washington book, but I don't think yeah. stuff the stuff. The Pilgrim Hypothesis says that 
there were certain, I don't know if he calls them miraculous or, or magical things or whatever, that happened when the pilgrims came over that foreshadowed the prophecy of the Mormon church saving America and the world. And there's one gentleman who was on board who went to check on something above board in a storm and got, he fell overboard. And it just so happened he grabbed onto a rope. He was hanging underwater and they pulled him back on to the ship. And from that, he made it safe. He was one of the ones that survived, you know, when they lost a lot of their people once they were on shore. And his aunt, one of his ancestors was the Joseph Smith family. So that is convincing proof in his mind that that uh, God miraculously showed a sign that Mormonism was to save America. Uh, there's I don't have a copy of the book yet, but there are some things they talk about Jewish symbols and these Jewish symbols that became part of our seal and everything. I do know that there was some thought about having symbols of the Exodus in the original seal of America. You know, I'd known that some time ago, but nothing about a Mormon view of any of that. But he, he's going all the way back now to that point. Now, a lot of this stuff about America's divine destiny and about the sacredness of America being the new Israel, which is what they're co-opting, this came from the Puritans. And the Puritans were hardcore Calvinists, and they certainly wouldn't have tolerated anything like Mormon belief. I mean, the Puritans were hanging Baptists and Quakers from the gallows. They're not going to tolerate a Joseph Smith or anything like this, but that has been co-opted. So um, anyway, the reason why I bring this up is when I look through their financial records of a few of the years, one of the things I found interesting, this is just in the last few days, is that the Nazarene Fund come in here from the, you know, Glenn Beck's operation came in as one of a major, you know, financial transaction. So I thought, wow, this is like, because they had this outlier year of like $4.6 million in 2020. And I thought, okay, the Nazarene Fund is bankrolling this because Glenn Beck's got deep pockets. Keep going. But as I interpret it, 3.7, like 3.75 million of money was not going from the Nazarene Fund to them, but from this unknown operation to the Nazarene Fund. So they're shipping money to Glenn Beck from this, if I'm reading it correctly. It also turns out that this little loan outfit is the one who's getting the license fees for the money for uh, Sound of Freedom and the film rights and everything is, is coming through this. The other money that's coming, and this gets back to these books you and I are talking about, I noticed, they're sending $20,000 to the Jenny House Museum in Plymouth, Massachusetts. They're also sending, uh, in 2021, $10,000 to the Freedom Foundation of Valley Forge. That's an organization yeah. that Ballard is a member of, and it's also extremely interesting. I, I was actually hoping we would get into that. A quick note, um, one of the uh, bodies that I explore in depth in um, the most recent book I've done, The Art, 
is an institution known as the Institute of American Strategy, fittingly. This was effectively a psychological warfare bureau uh, that grew out of what were known as the National Military Industrial Conferences held between 1955 and 1961 uh, that brought together members of the DOD, the National Security Council, leading figures from universities like Hoover or think tanks like Hoover at Stanford or the Foreign Policy Research Institute at the University of Pennsylvania and even a certain Colonel James Monroe, who was at the time overseeing the Society for the Investigation of Human Ecology, the group that funded MKUltra. So anyway, all they, these uh, groups came together at these national military industrial conferences, and they were trying to figure out a way to inoculate the American public with anti-communism. And the Institute of American Strategy was what grew out of this, it was initially headed by a fascinating figure known as Frank Rockwell Burnett, who helped establish a good chunk of uh, Jane Muir's dark money network. He was um, the guy who oversaw a lot of Richard Mellon's scapees funding for many years, also yeah. the Orr's family, the Smith-Richardson family. And he was also one of the major architects of what we think of now as fourth generation warfare, though back then they called it fourth dimensional warfare. So anyway, there were a lot of groups that were tied in with the Institute of American Strategy. And one of them was this Valley Forge group that you're talking about. Hmm. So imagine that, one of the organizations from the old days of, uh, or the founding days of fourth generational warfare would suddenly show up in this whole saga. <laughs> well, you see, I had, a, I had a more modest point, and this is speculation on my behalf, but it's an educated guess. The curiosity that they're sending that money to the Valley Forge group and to this Jane House Museum in Plymouth. I think those groups are featured in the video documentaries they associate with these books. In other words, he, he advertises himself as a historian. If you go back and read the, you know, the selling pages for these, you know, and the bio of it. He identifies himself as a historian. I don't think he has any history degree at all that I can find. But where he gets validation is when he goes to these groups in these historic things and he proposes some kind of wild hypothesis and they nod their head, say, oh, yes, yes, uh, you're probably right. They were Mormons back in that day, you know, or proto-Mormons. Well, if he's sending 20 grand to this little outfit, a little small handful of people, you know, didn't have any money and 10 grand of these other folks, it's probably pretty easy to buy a few head nods, I'm thinking. There's definitely that possibility. And I, I mean, I think that might be true with some of these groups, but something like Valley Forge just, I mean, another guy, for instance, who was involved with it for a time was General Edward Lansdale. I, oh. Yeah, there, there's a lot of curious people that have been involved with this Valley Forge group. And in, in fairness, it's been around for a long time. I mean, I think it's been around for almost like 100 years or something like that. But for whatever it, reason, a lot of curious people started to interact with it during the Cold War. I, I don't totally understand it, but it's it's interesting to put it. Well, now, does this tie to like some of the elite family organizations like that were part of the original Mayflower families that it definitely see themselves yes. as elites? Yes. 
it's it's connected to well i know for a fact it's connected to the society of cincinnati which is the right. uh, hereditary organization with all of uh, washington's officers from the continental army and again a lot of these other blue blood families like the one right. in New york you know the uh gosh i can't remember now all the you know wealthy dutch families along with like people like alexander hamilton's family and yeah so yeah there's there's a lot of old money behind a group like valley forge as well i mean they might as well just wear powdered wigs you know and have like the little black birthmarks and the the little lace handkerchiefs and playing harpsichord music it's it's that kind of crowd that I mean, it's it's bizarre i mean i'm not that far from charlestown west virginia which is where um washington george washington's family had settled um they had the estate there i think it's happy dale and then there's another happy trail maybe and then there's another one nearby uh, but they do the the open houses for this thing once a month uh which i'm planning on going to at one point and i was just you know kind of casually looking at the board of directors and you know you've got some of the usual suspects they're hereditary members of george washington's family some of these other dynasties but then you see like oh this guy is a 25-year veteran of the cia oh this guy is a navy seal it's just it's kind of like a surprising amount of you know these national security types that are on the board of directors for something like this so well i guess they're that's just the only ones that are drawn to having these you know you know feeling like it's important to go to all the effort you know uh with this um uh there's a couple names while i was on those documents i wanted to mention to you for you and your listeners to keep an eye on in the future um you know if he keeps things going and by the way uh tim ballard has not dismissed his running for uh, Mitt Romney's seat. The last quote that I had from him while he was still fighting is it's all lies. Everything's lies. What people are doing. He mentioned that part of this is coming because of my consideration of running for Mitt Romney's Senate seat. So, you know, he's really poisoned the waters in Utah a good bit. The Christians outside of the, that area still are in the dark on it. But, you know, you got to get the Utahns behind you to get a Senate seat. So I don't know if that's going to interrupt it, but um, he still sees himself as part of that. But if he's able to hang on with all this stuff coming out and still operate through the Spear Fund, the main guys who are the operators that I have found, the names are one is a Stephen Mongi, M-O-N-G-I-E. And the other more important one is Ken Krogh, K-R-O-G-U-E. Have you are you familiar with him? I uh, know I'm not. Okay. All of these guys connected around Ballard. And it it didn't hurt that he somehow developed a relationship with this guy who's like second and third of command of the Mormon Church. Um that you meet these people who have made it's like the same story over and over again. They have made untold amounts of money by being able to figure out how to manipulate people in the marketplace, how to market, how to get on a fad like um, 
internet, social media, marketing. This Ken Krogh was there in the very beginning of it. So was another guy central to all this activity, Paul Hutchinson. They made their money being able to really be super salesmen in marketing and learn how people think. And these guys are masters at figuring out the public zeitgeist and thinking and made a fortune on it. They also have a messianic complex like Tim has. So that's why they're it. But, you know, it's a little hard for those guys to inspire the public to get behind them. When, well, they just made a ton of money, you know, selling trinkets to people online. That doesn't inspire people. A story like the mythology that Tim Ballard has done and been able to sell about, oh, I, I've risked my life to go rescue these children. That's something that gets the grassroots people involved. Those are the kind of people these kinds of guys invest in as proxies. They'll go through somebody who stirs the public and they provide the money operations. And they have from the beginning, particularly Paul Hutchinson, who even provided, if you, if you watch the stuff Lynn Ballard's done, um, it was at his house where the famous whiteboard meeting, where the big master plan was put and someone smuggled out a picture out of there. Uh, that's been used, but this Ken Krog uh, also was a titan of internet marketing and making obscene amounts of money, and he set this up years ago, and now they've basically taken over. And some of the quotes I saw was that that they had taken over the Liberty and Light Fund as a way financially to meet all of their financial goals that they were going to do for their, you know, selfish private things. But this guy is, um, he's one who's sticking with Ballard, even Sean Reyes, the attorney general who's been with him from day one is, is sort of throwing him under the bus a little bit because they don't want to go down with Ballard. Ken Krogh is hanging with him. Ken Krogh had a weird life change event a few years ago where he was in a heavy crash and had severe brain injury. And so now he has some other operation that's regarding counseling and changing your mind and how your mind perceives things. And, you know, basically it looks under the guise of regular counseling, but he is the guy who's now the main guy that's hanging with Tim Ballard. It's K-R-O-G-U-E. And, and he's running this group. That's the, uh, you know, the front name, the business DBA is the Spear Fund, but it's ultimately called the Equity Trust Foundation. So he's going to, all the other guys who've been close to him are now getting heat because of Tim Ballard. Um, Rayos is trying to throw him under the bus because now, just this week, the Utah legislature is doing an audit of Sean Reyes because he was involved at the very beginning, including this money-making operation at the very beginning. Tim Hutchinson was involved at the very beginning. He is in trouble on another story that I've written about where he was on one of the, op he was on a lot of the operations and he brags about this all the time. He even has his own anti-trafficking group he funds. Well, I guess he really got into playing the bad guy on the ruse and he made this, you know, underage girl take her top off and feel up her naked breast and all this stuff. 
And now they're still like, I think it was at Mexico or the country they were at is looking at whether they should press charges. And so Hutchinson's got a lot of heat for these kind of things, particularly from the trafficking organizations he's supposed to run as a, he's one of the main fathers of protecting children. And then here he got caught doing it and everyone on the mission admitted it and, and told him like, I think you're going to regret doing that. So these guys are all getting heat. Now, a couple other late breaking things I can mention to you. M. Russell Ballard is the, the guy at the top. He was in his 90s. He heads the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. That's the next step into the presidency of the Mormon Church. Well, he has quite a reputation. If you go back, guys who have followed the Mormon Church from day one, like Lynn ba Packard, who is also a Mormon himself, but who's a very, very prestigious journalist. Um, this guy has sort of been, a, well, he was literally a used car salesman, but he was banned by the SEC and Securities and Change Commission for selling fraudulent investments. Uh, all sorts of black eyes of what he did, bad investments, all this other stuff. But he still got on this board to be one of the main runners of the church. He was the guy who um, that uh, uh, Tim Ballard kept saying he is blessed. Even these women's couples ruse where they sleep with him. He said he gave me a blessing that as long as we didn't do penetrative intercourse and kiss on the lips, he said, I can do anything else. He says he has made sure that God has given me a blessing. And this is what he told the women that he was doing. And so they were, in, and people have testified when they had the FBI studies of this, that he was meeting regularly with him and the other apostles. They claim that they don't know anything about Tim Ballard and all of the other people, his secretaries, everybody else says, yep, he was in regular meetings with them all the time. And so M. Russell Ballard was in the middle of this. Well, have, have you heard about what happened to him this week? It's funny you should mention that uh, my best friend actually stumbled uh, into the, oh gosh, it was the procession or something like that they were doing for him uh, at the tabernacle uh, by the temple in Salt Lake City. I'm sure you know it, well, the tabernacles down there, the really prestigious ones. Uh, but yes, yes, he uh, effectively shed his mortal coil on right. 12, 2023. Yeah, he just dropped dead. He just now, granted, he was in his 90s. He was 95. But he was just now, the heat was just coming on him. The church was trying to stand with him that Tim Ballard was lying about the associations, but all of the other people involved in this operation were testifying of their regular interaction to the point the the wagons were circling. Now, will this put this to bed? Will this, you know, will he take all the secrets to the grave? I don't know. But it went all the way, and he's not the only investor. There's an, at least one more of the apostles, if not two, who were heavily invested in this whole financial operation. And they were using the trafficking of children as the sizzle to get other people's money. These people who were donating to save kids, they saw them as investors. And another the thing. people who were putting the money didn't think they were investors. They thought they were saving kids. These people thought that they were investors. You know, it's free money. They're not, they're not giving them any product other than entertainment.
And so uh, that's what they were using this for. Another interesting thing about um, Ballard, uh, uh, this uh, Russell and Russell Ballard fellow here in that regard too, is that his daughter, uh, Bryn, I believe, is married to Peter R. Huntsman, who is the son of John right. Huntsman Sr. For those of you um, unaware, the Huntsman's family are insanely wealthy. Uh, they are major players in the state of Utah and certainly beyond that. But that is uh, some real money there. I mean, I think they got what a whole wing at the University of Utah, I think, named after them. Yeah like that that's um well when you're talking about serious money when tim ballard met with the 12 apostles and i think this information comes directly from the fbi interview of witnesses one of the people at those meetings was patrick slim who is a Me mexican billionaire uh, the, investor the, the, the carlos slim well i don't know i think he's related to carlos slim like a son or something like that but i need to verify that but, you know, they're connected there. Sean Reyes was there from the beginning, uh, the attorney general. You know, he he said, oh, he was the tough guy. He says he was the muscle when they went on the operations to put the, put the uh, handcuffs. Sean Reyes was the main guy in the Western states leading the overturning of the election, of Trump's election, and to invalidate the electors. He was the main standard bearer of all that as well, too. But um, uh, and of course, uh, Paul Hutchinson was involved in that. Now, everything I've ever heard that Lynn Packard, who's considered a legend in Utah, has said, he has verified well, and I have been able to verify. One of the things he mentioned at the later white now this the meeting with the twelve apostles on getting this whole financial thing together was twenty seventeen. Then twelve. 2019 is when they had the whiteboard meeting where he showed about how all of these businesses are for profit. It gets laundered through the nonprofit and how many millions of dollars everybody's going to make. The whiteboard showed in Russell Ballard's investment, although he denied it. Um, but according to, and I don't know if you know anything about this, and I, I've tried to find out more information on Paul Hutchinson, and, and I don't think Ballard would say this unless he has some info. He said that this guy had a reputation as a super wealthy guy of having some kind of sex rooms in his mansion where people could go and do as they wish. Now, I know some of those kind of places I've heard about on Long Island with, with some famous like Hollywood guys that had those. And this was in mainstream reporting that said this. So I don't know if it's something like that or not. I could not verify that. But... um. Would you like me to mention about what I found about their earlier spiritual connection that goes back to 2015? Sure, go for it. That I sent to you. Uh, I don't want to get ahead of you. But I this is a lot of stuff I've just uncovered this week. Even though I've been trying to chronologically go back to 2015 when Lynn Packer was first like exposing, like, this ain't right for these reasons, and then come up through now what's going on in the recent months. But one of the things this week after you asked me to come on the show and I was, you know, trying to find a little bit more about the Spear Fund and different things and who these other names are. Um, when I looked at more relationships of Paul Hutchinson, it turns out I found a organizational thing about an investiture ceremony in 2015 
that included Tim Ballard, that included Paul Hutchinson, and it included Attorney General Sean Rahas. And that was into a Knights of Malta type group where they go with the robes and the swords and the whole yeah, you know, holy yeah, warrior thing. Yeah, yeah. I think I heard a little bit about that where Bauer was involved in was it a temp was it a Knights Templar group or something? It's the Sovereign Military Order Temple of Jerusalem. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. And I don't know how that connects. They look just like the others. They wear the same kind of robes with the crosses on them. Star, yeah, the yeah. whole cowboy and Indians kind of, you know, cosplay kind of stuff. Um, this group has, um, they were in the Priory of the Mountain House of the Lord, which is in Utah, and it was 20 June 2015. Uh, there's a couple other guys in there that I haven't confirmed they have any connection. There was five of them, but three of the five, were Timothy Blaine Ballard, Paul Hutchinson, and the Honorable Sean David Reyes. So the, the, the main point I just make from that, because I don't know more details, is obviously this shows a little bit about their mindset. Because, you know, I've covered this with um, the guys like uh, uh, Rick Joyner and the, the uh, Family Research Council General uh, uh, Boy. Um, Boykin, you know, who were also investitured in that yeah, too. Yeah, and they Boykin, yeah, consider yeah. themselves holy warriors and they carry swords and they're going to stop the, you know, infidels and basically use violence to defend this. This same kind of fantastical mindset, messianic fervor is present in these guys too. I didn't know how Mormons would look at all this kind of stuff. But if they're already fantasizing about the founding fathers, there's no reason they can't fantasize farther back to you know, the Knights of the Crusade. And so why else would these guys need to be a part of this? What What is it that scratches an itch in their mind to want to be part of this? I mean, their whole thing is they're supposed to be some kind of uh, Christian warrior defending the weak and stopping the enemies. But obviously, in their mind, they are full bore. Now, I thought it was funny because most of these groups usually they're, they they try to ape um, the Knights of Malta. That's why they go with the different orders of Saint John, uh, right? So, you know, so it's a little bit closer to like an actual Catholic group. Whereas I noticed in this case, they're like, no, we're just going to straight up declare that we're the we're the uh, a, a new uh, reincarnation of the Templars or something like that. Well. And the group that Joyner and um, a couple of other charismatic groups are in, you know, and General Boykin, they are the ecumenical order of the Knights Hospitallers. Um, so they allow people who aren't Catholics to join into it. And they all fight each other legally. These guys have a registration mark in front of their name, so they were at least able to get a trademark on their little turf that they carved out of you know they probably can't trace themselves all the way back to the original Knights of Malta the other groups they fight over that tooth and there you, you you've got the big daddy the SMOE and the sovereign military order of Malta you know those are the ones that have the main geopolitical world figures but these other groups 
the, the, the main thing at the point I'm trying to make is these guys in their mind, they are hard over into this and have been that way for a long time. So, but you know what? You don't ever see him talk about this. How come he's not bragging that he's a, a knight? He's a knight of the uh, military order Temple of Jerusalem, you know? Why is he keeping quiet about this? Or the fact that he joined on the same day, shoulder to shoulder with Paul Hutchinson and Sean Reyes? I'm very curious about that. No, certainly. And I guess we get into the home stretch here, too. I wanted to briefly go into some of the possibilities with uh, the elections in Utah coming up here in 2024, because there's a lot of interesting stuff about this in play. So I find the connection that Ballard has to Sean Reyes to be especially intriguing because of Reyes's ongoing uh, feud, quote unquote, if you will, with David Levitt. Of course, they ran against one another for the attorney generalship of Utah in 2020. And for those of you who are drawing a blank on David Levitt uh, right now, aside from being a part of a really prestigious uh, Mormon family, uh, he was also the individual accused of satanic ritual abuse by David Lee Hamblin, I believe a couple of years ago here, um, a whole series of charges that has just been festering for a while now, I suppose, not unlike Sound of Freedom and whatever production studio that was holding on to it for years before it was released. Uh, Levitt is also close to Mitt Romney, who, as you had just mentioned, had decided to not run for re-election, uh, leaving a Senate seat open that Mr. Timothy Ballard, Reyes's friend, had originally considered, though now um, I guess he's still going after it while Reyes is trying to distance himself. But the point being, you could just see some really off-the-wall stuff coming out. With Are there thing. any normal people in the state of Utah? Uh, Are people who would actually add the point where they could actually run, even if they're Mormon? I mean, just like normal kind of people of normal business experience or what? I mean, that's, is yeah, that the point you're making? They're normal people, but I mean, they just, they don't want any part of this. I mean, for obvious, I mean, like I said, you're, you're, you're talking about like an attorney general race in 2020 where one candidate is being accused of ritualistically sacrificing children and the other one is running around with Timothy Bauer pretending that he's a crusading freaking knight. Yeah. Uh, I should point out, too, with Reyes, too, he also was under a lot of controversy for accepting money from the Kingston family, uh, that glorious polygamist sect I was talking about earlier, who, um, besides uh, known for their child, or not child bride, but they definitely had uh, married uh, women, or I should say girls, before they were 18 years of age. Uh, there's also been an ongoing problem with incest in that whole uh, sect, to put it mildly. So, so what's the theme of all this? It's kinkiness. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's like um, you have this veneer of sacred family purity. You look underneath that veneer of purity and you got kinkiness. I mean, you can't tell me that in Colorado, when you look at the purity balls with all of these guys out of the Air Force Academy and stuff who are sheltering their daughters, but insist that their daughters call them their boyfriend and make them sit on their laps, like I've seen in their videos when they're testifying, and go do these little lascivious dances in front of a cross 
you know, with these little silky robes, you know, and dance with them and do all this, that there's not something kinky under it. Look at the Duggar family. Okay. People, oh, that's the model of a, a strong, pure family. When you look at, um, oh, the guy that did the Institute of Basic Youth Conflicts, um, his name just escapes me. I got drugged to one of their meetings one time. Um, this guy was supposed to be the most strict family purity guy in all of Christian teaching. And they finally come out and say this expert on marriage and family was never married. And he would have the young girls at his camp sit on his lap and tickle him down there between his legs and stuff. And he was considered one of the main people evangelical evangelicalism. The, the more you sell the purity, the wholesome family stuff, the more it seems like you see this kind of stuff. Now, I have a question for you uh, when you're talking. Tell me that guy's name again that you said was into the Satanism stuff running against Reyes. I, I, well, David Levitt was accused of being into the Satanist stuff. The main guy yeah. for this was, uh, I think it was David Lee Hamblin. It's Lee Hamblin. It's, I can't remember his first name, but the last part of his name is Lee Hamblin. Two separate words. But yeah, and you know, this is another weird thing because there seems to be no question that this guy, Lee Hamlin, who was supposedly in this sort of satanic ring with Levitt, was sexually abusing people. Um, he was a therapist, among other things. He also became involved with this uh, Fox Native American church, uh, which, again, I, you know, for those of you listening to this, there's this whole network of these alleged native american churches around the country that are run by individuals who have about as much uh, native american blood in their ancestry as i do um but who have found this to be a really effective way to legally sell mescaline um and other <laughs> drugs like of that nature for sacraments and in the case of Lee Hamlin, he was involved in these circles along with working as a therapist. And there seems to be credible evidence that he was hypnotizing patients while also administering mescaline to them at times, uh, sexually abusing them, and then implanting um, this whole facade of satanic ritual abuse uh, as a screen memory, effectively. So... There's just a lot of really in, in Utah playing out right now. So you could really see some just that weird stuff coming out, I think, as we get closer and closer to the 2024 elections here. Uh, The earth went flat, the sun went black, and it's making me delirious. And I'm watching it all from this quarantine window, thinking, who what a time to be woke. Yes, and I'm laughing just to keep from crying. It ain't funny, even if it is a joke. I'm talking about the Twilight Zone. Yeah, man, I'm talking about the Twilight Zone On 
you've rode a long way from home I got these blue pills sitting on my nightstand, baby And I feel like they was made just for you They won't exactly get you high But you might feel what it's like to lose I've got some red ones too I keep them next to the blues And man, it will go straight to your head It takes about 18 months to kick in good And my brother, you'll be seeing red It goes with the twilight zone Yeah, man, it goes with the twilight zone Been waiting out here for years, man What took y'all so long? Take your pick, brother Yeah, man Whoa I reached out and went snatched And I gobbled them both up Natch And then it's Oh, no Oh, no Now the end of the world It looks mighty fine Stumbling around Cold candy flippy Yeah, man Whoa At first it made me sick Till I caught on to the trick And now it's Oh, yeah Chop them up in the purple line Color for the twilight zone Yeah, man, it goes with the twilight zone I'm gonna do one more bump Then I'll be over the hump And now it's I'd mentioned Lynn Packer as a guy who's considered sort of a, a national treasure, particularly in Mormon circles. He is a legit journalist. He led the top TV stations, newspapers in Utah. He taught journalism at Brigham Young. He took down a guy who was like the most beloved inspirational figure in Mormonism by the name of Paul Dunn who was the most magnetic. He was like Billy Graham. And I'm trying to think who some of the other like inspirational talkers all rolled into one in Mormon world. He talked about his days saving all these people in world war two, all his exploits and what God taught him and his saving about his, uh, uh, 
being like playing for the, I think it was the St. Louis Cardinals or maybe the Yankees and all the famous people he dealt with in baseball. And Lynn Packer came along and just ruined the parade by showing that for many, many, many decades he had been lying and that none of this pedigree was true. And he got tacked a lot, Lynn Packer, for how dare you say this? He's the most beloved figure we have. You know, the Mormon church didn't care for it. He eventually, they fired him at, at his teaching there, and they said, there's certain things we can't do. We can't attack certain figures in the Mormon church, even though the other professors agreed that he had had his ducks in a row and everything he had was factual. And in fact, even the Mormon leaders came and confirmed it, that it was factual. Well, he's had this reputation, and he, he had nailed Tim Ballard back in 2015. Well, when you mentioned this satanic sexual abuse part, this is when I wanted to flag something for you. Um, that kind of talk is not what Lynn Packer does. He's like mainstream, fine data of run-of-the-mill corruption, um, financial malfeasance, very, very important stuff, but that's his ballywick, okay? It's not getting into the that kind of spiritual conspiracy stuff. But he has a video from October 25th, 2022, there on, on his YouTube channel, talking about satanic ritual abuse allegations. Have you seen that? I know I have not, but I suspect that this is probably exactly what he's getting into, the stuff around Ham Lee Hamlin. Well, it might because I haven't seen all of it, but it's a different name. And excuse me if I had a little audio thing there, but I wanted to make you and the listeners aware of it. That, again, I don't want to give the misimpression that this is the kind of normal stuff that Packer attacks. But because he's so legitimate on his other stuff and his reputation, I take this seriously. In this report 23 from that date, he says a new satanic child sex abuse controversy has flared up in Utah. Among suspects is a New York advertising executive with friends in very high places. Gordon Bowen, who was raised in Utah, achieved notoriety on Madison Avenue. And in fact, he, he did some of the most major, like Federal Express and McDonald's, some of the major advertising we don't know, was named by four ostensible victims as being part of a ritualistic child abuse sex ring. Besides being famous in advertising, he's close friends with Utah Senator Mitt Romney and high-ranking Mormon apostle M. Russell Ballard. While there's no indication either Romney or Ballard was aware of the Utah child sex abuse cult, indeed the accusation that one existed at all may be unfounded, the two have been aware that Bowen was previously accused of hiring male escorts, engaging exorcists to cure his homosexuality, and sexually assaulting other men. Over decades, uh, Bowen has provided image and branding advice for the LD Church and Romney political campaigns. Romney also used Bowen as creative director for Utah's 2002 Winter Olympics. Bowen conceived the game's Light the Fire Within tagline and designed the torch that was carried by numerous celebrities. Now, this video is about 46 minutes long. It's just chocked full of evidence. I've only seen a portion of it, but what I gathered from the portion is this very pragmatic journalist gentleman is pretty well convinced that there's something to this. 
Yeah. And the evidence is overwhelming. So I just wanted to share that with you. Again, there's a indirect tie to Romney too, maybe just because they're both powerful, but you might want to check this out and possibly some of your other listeners too. Well, again, you know, I think that partly this is a family connection because the Levitt family is a very prestigious Mormon family. Um, they have a lot of other uh, interesting family members. I, one of them you might find especially amusing is uh, Clive Den Bundy. He's actually a member of the uh, Levitt family. But uh, the big uh, recent one was Mike Levitt, who was the Utah governor from 1993 to uh, 2003. Uh, I think David is his brother, if I'm not mistaken, uh, off the top of my head. But so they definitely had some pretty longstanding connections to uh, Mitt Romney and his family. And yes, it's, you know, this is why Utah is such a perplexing state, because I'm often inclined to dismiss a lot of the, the SRA stuff out of hand. Right, but right. there have been allegations coming out of there that really even predate uh, Michelle Remembers and a lot of that kind of stuff, going back to Jay's journal. And in 1991, and this should be emphasized, there actually was an Ogden, and Ogden, Utah is a very interesting uh, town, by the way, but there was an Ogden-based cult called the Zion Society that actually was arrested and convicted of ritually abusing children. Eleven members went down for that in 1991, and this was also at the time when the state itself did a massive investigation of SRA uh, abuse in the, or SRA claims in the state, and they did find that they could not totally dismiss it. And I believe Lee Hamlin uh, and possibly the Levitt family have come up in that investigation all the way back in the early 90s. So, you know, it it does seem like that dog will hunt on some level in Utah. <laughs> yeah. Well, things are so strange that people have been, I hate to use the word groomed, but being raised in this environment of of the kind of scenarios that we would we would raise flags, you and me, if you're like, there's something not right about this. This is making me uncomfortable. But when you've been groomed that something similar to these things are normalized, there, there's not a big leap over to that. You know, if you know a lot about the temple ceremonies and about how they reenact Adam and Eve and the little aprons they wear and the other kind of things, um, the more you get into that and it, what, whatever you can verify, the part that you can verify from people have been involved it, you, you're you're just sort of groomed to take as normal things that the rest of us would say is pretty creepy now i recognize someone who's a total atheist might look at all religious expression and throw that all in the same bundle like you all are all nuts okay and i have a you know a little, little bit of understanding of that I, although i think i think there's not all are created equal but some of this kind of stuff, if I'm reading you right, is that when you get to Utah, you know, all bets are off because of, again, I think it's a whole culture that's been groomed to accept the fantastic as normal. Just like the stuff with Warren Jeffs. I don't mean to pick on them uniquely either because we see creepy cults around the country and nothing to do with Mormonism and people have bought into stuff that you have to ask yourself, how did they do it? You know, but on this largest scale, something is just sort of strange. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. It's just, 
Speaking now, somebody, I mean, in, just in somebody who's been to Utah a couple of times as well. I mean, I can you know say from experience, you know, you go off the beaten path a bit and go wandering into some of those canyons and what have you. You um, you'll find some really interesting markings that have been painted out there and some sites that uh, <laughs> like to yeah. use for really specific purposes. My my wife was doing some work for like military, like contractor stuff out there, and you know they got some bases and stuff so she was she was like touring salt lake city and went into the temple and they were doing a service and she said it really creeped her out when they ran them and locked all the doors where they lock you inside now you know that's i guess no big deal but it's something when you get a sense like there's something here that i don't feel comfortable with and sometimes we need to trust your instincts I take it she didn't make it to Gilgil Gardens, did she? Well, you know what? They may have replaced her with a replicate, you know, <laughs> like the uh it could be like a Stepford wife that I ended up with. I don't know. I'll have to ask her about that. I don't know what all she was uh she she ends up seeing all the interesting stuff. Like, you know, she went to a uh a, a boys' school for some relatives where they sort of groom them for, you know, higher the well-to-do, more elites, uh, and went to this academy and saw in their chapel on the roof like pictures of the pyramid with the eye over it and other kind of similar symbols like that, you know, like painted on the roof of the chapel. And you have to wonder, like, what were they thinking to do these things, you know? Um, So, you know, I always envy that she gets to have these. When I go look for them, can't find anything. Um, but I have worked with Mormons. Um, generally, I mean, you're not going to have to worry about getting drugged to stripper joints and stuff. Although as long as it's not Tim Mormon or Tim, um, um, uh, Ballard, you know, Tim Ballard, he drug everybody, including his own son to stripper joints. But, um, most of them, you know, very clean cut. But there's still something, even some guys that I admire and respect that I've worked with. There's something that's an uneasiness. And I've had other friends that I'm very close to that like their company started being taken over. And everyone that they started recruiting were Mormons. It's a free country. They can do whatever they want. I certainly don't want any persecution of anybody anymore. And I want them myself, you know, free to do what I want. But people pick up on this stuff and there's a reason why they do. And the fact that you've, and and I don't hold it against them that they want to evangelize and make more people Mormons. Hey, I'd like more people to, to be able to enjoy the good news that I feel like I enjoy too. So I don't fault them for that. And they've contributed to our country, you know, have done, have done certain things. Um, I've heard from people who are in places like the civil serve, like a uh, secret service that they like to, actually recruit Mormons because they can keep their mouth shut. You know, they've been groomed through their religion and upbringing to keep secrets and know how to keep quiet. And there's some places and jobs that require that. Um, I do know that uh, from what I read from biographers that Howard Hughes, you know, who didn't want anybody to know how he was living as a recluse, he would only hire Mormon uh, assistants for that reason. Because he knew they weren't going to yap, you know. 
So you just find those things sort of curious, you know. Um, I'm glad to have Mormon friends, uh, you know, and they're good people. And um, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to look. Cause heck, it's never going to be as much as how I criticize people of my own faith tradition. That's who gets most of my brunt of criticism, you know. But I think we also, you know, I have an adage that I believe that which we do not critique, we worship. And probably a good definition of worship is that if you no longer critique someone or some idea or something like that, then you've basically started worshiping it. So to me, it's a good thing to critique things, even things we think are sort of sacred. And so I don't mean anything when I critique these things other than just trying to get to the truth. And I also want to be fair. And that's sometimes hard to do. But... um it's funny, you know, when you and I talked about this, can, can I ask you, I know we're getting late and probably need to wrap up soon. Can I ask you a little bit about what your understanding is, is Tim Ballard's fixation with the number 89? Uh, I had, was not aware that he had a fixation with the number 89. That's interesting, though. What, what is his connection? Because one of his early businesses that he founded personally it was Liberty 89. He found in August 2016, and supposedly R Russell Ballard was an investor in that. And when I looked up his Instagram, you know, it's like Tim Ballard 89. And I mean, I know he wasn't born in 1989 because he's older than that. So, but and, and Liberty 89 comes up all the time and anything you start finding out about his business dealings and his secret stuff. So I didn't know if you knew anything about that or not. I'm thinking it's a connection to 1789. I'm just, okay, yes, well, yes. George Washington was unanimously elected the president of the United States on February 4th, 1789. If I had to take a guess uh, based around how he seems to have been involved in this process of the deification of Washington and some of the other founding fathers, that would make a certain kind of sense. Uh, if you will. In fact, yeah, I think this is, yeah, yeah, okay, so this was, okay, going back to the, the statement that he had made that I read earlier about the four points about Washington being the reincarnation of Captain Monrona. Yeah, this is one of the events he pointed to, March 4th at Federal Hall in New York City. The first U.S. Congress meets and declares the United States Constitution to be in effect. So 1789, is when the United States, as we know today, essentially came into effect with the uh, the enshrinement of the Constitution. So I'm guessing that's probably mm. why he's picked up on the 89. Okay, I thought 86 was a more important one. Um, in one of my in my current show, which I'm preparing, it'll be I guess aired on Thursday. Um, I was quoting some testimony from Ballard's secretary who was telling the uh, FBI people about the people that Ballard had been meeting with regularly, including elder Ballard and the apostles. And um, she says uh, at a later point, this is their notes. The woman said that she was in her official work capacity brought to a meeting with Tim Ballard's associates where he told her that because she had shared some spiritual things he could tell her about, quote, secret things that I'm involved in, unquote. This was the meeting at which Tim Ballard claimed Elder Ballard 
was involved in Liberty 89. Per the reports, the woman added that, according to Tim Ballard, quote, restoring America to the covenant was a big mission of his, and he was called of God to do this. Yeah, I think that is definitely what he's getting at. All right, so this goes into this concept of the title of liberty, which is associated with this Captain Moroni character. And according to Wikipedia, to give you guys like a quick definition of this, it states Moroni is associated with the title of liberty, a standard that he raises to rally the neophytes to defend their liberties from a group of dissenters who wanted to establish their leader as a king. Moroni was so angry with Amalekiah's dissension and wicked influence that he tore his coat and wrote upon it, in memory of our God, our religion, and freedom, and our peace, our wives, and our children. With those words, he rallied his people to defend their families and their freedom and drive out the armies of Amalekiah, or however it's pronounced. Moroni put to death any dissenters who did not flee, of course he did, and would not support the cause of freedom, and his title of liberty was raised over every neophyte tower. And to get, in, to get into my point here, Boward listed, listed four events in George Washington's life that uh, emulated Captain Moroni's life. And number four with the bullet was, uh, to quote again from his book, page 178, The Washington Hypothesis, Actually, it was number three here where he really gets into this. So uh, just as Moroni brought forth the title of liberty on that day that the people might see it, so did Washington. The promise of the title of liberty are the promises of the Constitution. Both are written forms of God's governmental mandate to preserve moral agency. Washington's inauguration set the U.S. government in motion. It was the day the Constitution was activated. If there was any specific point in time where we might say... Washington raised up his title of liberty, it was this day. And that day was March 4th, 1789. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that's likely to be what that meaning is of that. But it is a central part of the inner part of what his calling is. And as far as what his calling is, I guess before we discontinue, you wanted to ask me a little bit about the ketamine yeah, I was hoping we could get into the ketamine, maybe the psychic too. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I already mentioned the psychic who uh, was down in Haiti and was channeling uh, Nephi, the prophet, uh, to get all these answers. And since when they collected in their investigation of our, they have something like 10,000 pages of her finding, of her channeling, and that's what was being used on all these cases where the channeling that she was doing and they were following. And that was their secret weapon inside our, I don't know. I wonder what evangelical Christians would think that have been sending all this money to him that this spirit channeler medium diviner, you know, like witch of indoor type who's going to get this prophet that they don't believe in. That's what was running all these operations that they pay. But um, if you don't mind me mentioning this now, uh, oh, it, well, uh, by the way, something else that I'll be writing on here, and I, I'm about at the end of my, uh, the amount I can cover on this week's show, on my own show, so it's probably going to be the following week. It turns out this woman is not just some kind of person on the fringe. 
but she was made a high level officer, this channeler medium. And that he always said that M. Russell Ballard had validated her and had approved her use. And she took over one of the main businesses that was regarding, I'm trying to remember whether it was the adoption orphanage or the care thing that originally Tim Ballard's wife was supposed to run. And then I saw that they put her in that place and she was earning a big salary and she was making consulting fee. Every time she would tell them who, who Nephi told them, you know, where to get kids. Uh, so she wasn't just somebody who they used once and it was an embarrassing incident. It was on the fringe. She was a centerpiece of their staff. I assume in any time they interviewed her, she said, well, I'm under non-disclosure agreement. I can't say anything. So I guess unless she gets hauled before, you know, in a legal proceeding where, where that goes by the wayside, she's not going to speak up. But I could find almost no, unless you have it, I don't have hardly any background on her. I looked and looked and couldn't find anything before then how they uncovered her, you know, any of that. Um, but the irony is with the lawsuits that have come out on him recently from these women who claim he sexually assaulted them, uh, you know, the ones that they provided the pictures he was sending to their phone where he sort of just had these little speedos and pulled them way down almost to his genital area him you know he had this like real sultry kind of pose supposedly and he's telling these these are married women married women that he's sending this to um how far are you willing to go for the children and he's now tried to explain that oh i was just showing tattoos i had to temporarily put on for another operation and i don't know how they got that and you know doesn't explain the message he sends them with the pictures or anything but Regarding the ketamine, that's part of the same court disclosures. I assume these affidavits are under oath. Uh, he was taking ketamine to do his own direct channeling of Nephi. So I guess he's made this other woman obsolete because he was talking to Nephi directly. And he was telling everyone that he was not only there to channel the truth and the direction from Nephi the prophet, but that he would become sort of the official prophet for the Mormon church and usher the way into the second coming. And that um, he, he would be the one and also becoming senator and possibly even president of the United States was part of his calling that he was given. And this was from his ketamine sessions. Um, this is what they've testified in court documents that he, that he was doing. And speaking of that, part of the testimony in the previous FBI study from his secretary said that these meetings with these people who, in fact, uh, also uh, another guy, Lopez, who was a special forces guy who also testified, said that these people he was meeting with all had special revelations they were given of the second coming. And that part of that they were doing was part of the second coming of Jesus with this. And one of the guys in that group was this Ken Krog, I told you earlier, who is now still a key associate with Ballard, even though his other guys have sort of fled like rats on a ship. 
he is still with him. And he's part of these ones that has this view that what they're doing is something to do with bringing Jesus back. Other than that, no big real deal, just business as usual. Ah, uh, yes, because ketamine sessions have become business as usual. Do they have to be uh, mixing it with cocaine, by the way? I, I seem to understand that's kind of the, the hip thing to do now is the cocaine and, cocaine and ketamine uh, trip. I didn't see anything about that, so I, I can't speak to that, you know. Okay, okay. Just, just... I, don't, I don't want to say anything outrageous beyond his just beyond, yeah, normal ketamine channeling. Ketamine. Yeah, that, there's nothing outrageous yeah. about that. Yeah. Yeah, no reason for us to go into disturbing territory. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I, I, I'm starting to wonder now if there was a Peter Thiel connection to this. Um, because Thiel actually, if I understand, owns a lot of the patents for recreational, uh, or not rec, um, therapeutic ketamine, or ketamine therapy. Um, just, gosh, just imagine the money-making potential of that, Doc, for a second. If you could... Bring that in as an appropriate means of divine revelation in Mormonism and then use it to push the flock towards doing ketamine therapy with Peter Thiel. There is, you know, they, they, they should give me a cutback if that actually comes into play for just suggesting that right now. Well, here, here's another scary thought. If push comes to shove between the Mormon church and Ballard, because Ballard's been saying things like, I can't believe the Mormon church would say these things about me or excommunicate. I'm in good standing with my ward and, you know, where I am, my stake and all that. If push comes to shove where Ballard says to the people, you're going to have to believe me or the Mormon church, which do they pick? I don't, I mean, I don't, you, you would think, well, sure. They're going to throw Ballard over. It's just a nutcase. I'm not 100% sure that's what they would do. Yeah. I know evangelical Christians have already been groomed so much that they would always go with the nutcase over the mainstream. And so the Mormons, it may be the same kind of thing that um, they might, you know, the people who I hear from, you know, when you've got these reports like from from Lynn Packer and other ones and you see the comment section, they're like, uh-huh, I suspected that, uh-huh. But even within those, you have a lot of them that still defend them and that these people are all enemies and of the devil, you know. And so when you take the average people out there who've seen Sound of Freedom, seen the effect, you know. Maybe Glenn Beck could confuse, could, you know, convince them otherwise. But I don't know. Maybe he's tapped into something spiritually or in some kind of way with them that's i mean i i don't understand the the people who have gone into mega hardcore QAnon. you know i just heard a poll was it the other day the statisticians guy on cnn that does official statistics he was comparing how low certain republican candidates were he said that official statistics are is that 10 percent of the american public believes the earth is flat Ten percent. I can't say I'm surprised. I actually think a higher percentage of the American public now believes that the the Illuminati are a real thing. But you know, again, the world that we live in. Well, you know, even that might be you know, like there's a little mystery info, and even stuff you don't know somehow turns out to be well. That's a sign it's real because it's not there. 
but it's pretty easy to figure out whether the earth is round or flat. You know, explain how a satellite goes around. How, how does it go around a flat thing, you know, and stay in orbit? But you're assuming we ever made it into space, dog. Well, I know, I know. Everything's a, a fraud then. So I, I, I just use that as an example that sometimes, you know, uh, common sense or, rea you know, reality finally tamps the stuff down. It was a temporary mania, but sometimes not. So he somehow tapped into something primal, just like Donald Trump tapped into something primal. And they pushed the key motivator buttons inside people. And when you hit enough of those, no matter how much stuff you show people that the, that the, you know, election wasn't fake or show them that, you know, this particular vaccine's not going to do this or that, or you show them about the earth being round or any of this kind of stuff, you get into a certain point, none of that stuff matters. And that's why I always compare some of these groups to like the, uh, the Manson girls. When you saw the Manson girls at Charles Manson's trial, you know, and they would skip into the courtroom. Anything that experts, subject matter experts would say that, look, you know, I've been an expert for 50 years and this is what happened. That would be the very thing they wouldn't trust as fake news. Anything that their mess messianic person said was by default reality. And there was no expert that could say, hey, you've been misled. Here's what we've all known for 50 years. And so how is that any different than the public that we live in now? Well, it's not. And I mean, this is, you know, again, going back to the point that I made earlier in this, why I think that this is such a, uh, a precarious time when it comes to these uh, cults and these extreme religious movements, because uh, we are in a dire strait in a certain sense. I mean, I do think that, uh, well, I mean, the the Westophilian order that grew out of the Industrial Revolution is collapsing, and I do not believe that we will be able to replace that. And much as the Industrial Revolution spurred a phenomenal amount of social change via things like the 30-year war and so forth, you're going to, I think, be seeing much of the same thing unfolding in the West and the world more broadly in the coming years and decades. And mm -hmm. while this could be a positive thing, there's also great potential for these kind of messianic figures that you're describing to horrendously exploit people and possibly even worse. I, I guess what I'm concerned with what I've witnessed the last eight years is that for the rank and file grassroots people, at least the people I see around me, there is nothing that is too much of a stretch that I would say, well, that is just too absurd for them to accept. They've gone too far. In fact, they almost insist on something absurd because if it's not, they're saying, well, that just sounds like the man. That sounds like the establishment. Uh, you know, it's got to be the opposite political party that's having it's having pedophile rings underneath the Capitol building or underneath the pizza parlor with witchcraft. And, you know, I like a conspiracy as much as the next guy. You know, I'm willing to withhold judgment for a while until evidence comes in. But ultimately, you have to have evidence that comes in. You have to have something that withstands vetting and 
but none of that seems to be a requirement. In fact, if it withstands all that, it almost seems tainted to them. No, it does. And, uh, you know, just to sort of, uh, you know, put some perspective on this. I mean, I've taken a lot of heat over the years for pushing back on the Pizzagate stuff, which is clearly ridiculous. I mean, there's no way that they could have had the I mean, there's no basement in that pizza parlor. There's no way any of that could have actually physically existed in the real world that's being described. Yes, maybe some of the figures named in the scandal had done sketchy things elsewhere, but there was nothing going on at this particular pizza parlor. And then I'll try to turn around and point out to them. With Utah, I mean, just look at all the stuff that goes on with the fundamentalist sex there, with the whole phenomenon of the Lost Boy or Elizabeth mm-hmm. Smart. I mean, again, you know, for those of you unaware and why I keep pointing this out, in fundamentalist Mormonism, you have the plural wives and specifically the notion that each uh, guy should have three separate wives. And that's just, it's not possible in nature. You have a 50-50 split between boys and girls. So yeah. there's two ways to address that. You either have to get rid of some of the boys, which is what happens with the lost boy phenomenon, where basically as teenagers, these lads are driven maybe 100, 200 miles away from their home. They're given a bag of clothes, a $20 bill, and told to never come back again. And a lot of them end up in prostitution, incidentally. Yeah. And then on the other hand, you potentially have something like Elizabeth Smart, where women are abducted by people that have been linked to fundamentalist sex before. So this is, you know, and this is only really scratching the surface of some of this insanity. As we just talked about before, this is one of the few states where you can really find hard, credible evidence of some kind of SRA stuff happening, but nobody wants to touch this. Mm -mm, They're still obsessed with Pizzagate. Mm -hmm, Right. Yeah, the stuff that's right under their nose just doesn't really interest them or not. It's not fantastic enough. To me, it's it's fantastic enough already. What you and I talked about today is pretty fantastic, but it doesn't meet the standard anymore for other people. To-hum. I know, I know, because yes, communicating with the Nephites on ketamine while you're um, linking up with the Attorney General taking money from one of the biggest incestuous cults in the state. Yeah, there's uh, that's just yeah. not as sexy as the the freaking pizza M Joes or whatever. Man. Yeah, and the former doing that all with the full unfettered support of the conservative Christian community in America. It's a force multiplier. It's not just that they've corralled the Mormons around what they're doing. Most conservative Christians have no idea these people are even Mormons that are doing this. They don't even know, don't care, never ask the question. They don't ask where they come from. They don't ask who's getting what money, what they're doing with it, nothing. To me, that's something significant and worth looking at. Other people just shrug their shoulders. Absolutely, and it's, it is a tragedy. Well, I'm glad you are far more successful than I am. I think you've built a a big, strong community here. Uh, I can tell you when I do my stuff on this, whether it's my books or even my radio show, it's like an echo chamber. I hear crickets. You know, you've been much more successful in um, getting an audience corralled of people who find this of interest. Mostly me, it's like a vain attempt to try to shake people into um, some awareness and, and also some responsibility that they bear a response for this. Yeah. And I've, I've not really been really honestly, very successful yeah. in, in doing that. And it hasn't been for lack of trying. 
Well, you have done some fantastic work, and hopefully this will uh, shine a light on some of the great stuff that you've been doing on Ballard and Operation Underground Railroad. Uh, it's, uh, it has been a fascinating talk, Doc. Uh, do you want to plug the uh, the radio show here one last time here before we sign off? Yeah, so I can make more millions on top of the millions I've made already. Uh, actually, it'd be nice to have maybe have like two listeners. Uh, every Thursday at 5 p.m. Central uh, on WRFN, uh, if you're in Nashville area, Greater Nashville, best frequency is 103.7 FM. They're also on 107.1. But if you're anywhere else, you can hear it live streaming at uh, RadioFreeNashville.org. And at the top, there's a little arrow, whatever shows on. And when you see the two spies report come on at five, just click the arrow and you can hear it. And uh, hopefully sometime after the first of the year, I'll start getting these uploaded to YouTube. I have video too. Some boring video, nothing interesting to see. But I'll have that in a podcast i'll preserve these and i need to get back to finishing my other books i've got volume two and three to polish off and i'm not like you i can't do 10 things at once i my productivity is pretty suspect so uh i'm I, it's, I, i've decided i can't multitask on this so i'm going to take a little break after a while but i do need to finish documenting this because there are a bunch more shoes to drop i believe on this tim ballard story uh, he's not going down easy or quietly, and there's more to find out. What's going to happen to Sean Reyes? Um, what's going to happen to this Paul Hutchinson as well, and these other figures? And will will anybody fess up about him, Russell Ballard, and the other apostles that invested in all this? So I'm going to, you know, the next few weeks, I'm going to continue to try to wrap up the analysis on this. But keep your ears to the ground, everybody. And uh, if you'd like to read more, like what's more the core of what I'm doing, my uh, do, do you mind if I mention my last book? Oh, yeah, absolutely. If you don't mind. Um, there's a book that I've written. It's sort of thick book. It's chock full of hard evidence and sources about the, the, the dirty laundry of the evangelical religious right community, which is where I come from. I'm still a believer. Uh, I just don't want to be around them. And um, it goes into the history of how big business formally, officially bought out these people by writing another gospel that's a wealth class based belief system that's antithetical to real Jesus Christianity. And it gives all the dirty details. And then it gets really weird, not only about that, about the neo-Nazis who became the top um religious right media officials in like fifties to the seventies, but also gets into the people who ideologically provided most of the rationale in these newsletters, which transformed our seminaries, our pulpits, people sitting in the pews and the guys who really began the UFO cult movement, the, um, new age movement, the, um, drug culture, the same people who did that, guys who you don't probably know, are the same people who were doing this stuff for conservative Christians. It's a bizarre story that defies imagination, but it's all true. And so if that's your cup of tea, uh, there's a whole lot more that I've got on the pipeline to be said in print. But that's another 480 pages and people can chew on until I get this next one out. 
Yeah, and again, it's a fantastic book. It's called Two Masters and Two Gospels. I highly recommend it. And uh, hopefully Mike will have the follow-ups here forthcoming. And certainly, I think we all look forward to his further investigations into Mr. Ballard and um, this incredible milieu around him. Well, thanks for your encouragement. I really appreciate it. You know, you're somebody whose work I respect. And I can count the people on fingers on one hand and have fingers left over that are in that category. So um, you've been a very much an encouragement to me. I hope I don't damage your reputation by having me on. Uh, But um, when I hear dirt on the street, you know, you're on that Rolodex that I first called to compare notes with. And I think this kind of topic here is one that uh, is one that we've got some more rocks to turn over. No, I, I think that we're still there's still a lot of uh, a lot of cards to be played as far as the yeah. situation goes. Well, on that note, I guess we will sign off for now, and uh, at least until we get closer to 2024 on this topic, because I think there might be some fireworks coming then. Uh, but for now, we will be signing off. And as always, I want to thank you guys so much for listening and your support. And good night and good luck to you all. <laughs> Come on baby, pick me up Out here in my wiki up Sick and tired of fucking up Sick and tired of pushing luck Voodoo blue got juice in it Swallow what I'm about to spit Don't got 86 from the copper queen For singing this, I took it to the gold chain We were ready, my people there They feeling me Down low, skin low More characters than Stephen King To quarry y'all, I ain't in a hurry, y'all. Come on, baby, pick me up. Out here in my wiki up, stuck down in this stick. Hut is hot as hell, I tell you what. Put it up and knock it down. Moving on that big around. Come on, mama, jump down, turn around, do it for me, stick it out. Say one, two, three, Geronimo. Jump, baby, we gotta go. Hands tied, blindfold, jump into that battle zone. Get the fuck out, cause they done let the wolves out They're coming with that heat, mama shooting up the street Mama fight or fight adrenaline, you feel that little tingle in your feet Mama no retreat, mobilize your whole fleet Hit the street, tell me that you good for it You want peace, go to war for it Say one, two, three, Geronimo, jump baby, we gotta go Geronimo, hands tied, blindfold, jump into that battle zone. Come on, baby, pick me up, out here in my wiki up. Got y'all on some Aztec bullshit, never getting used to it. Got bells of weed and cannibals with Santa wet diffused in it. Shoot it over the castle wall, the Migra can't patrol it off from Berlin to the Great Wall. The greatest walls are bound to fall. So legalize it, Vato, about a gang is Chapo. Come on, legalize it, no need to advertise it. The weed cures the cancer, everybody even caught or realized it. But farmer don't make cash money when we rock that stash, honey. Best believe they sooner take it out your ass, Sunday. Come on, the man ain't getting wealthy with people getting healthy, right? Thank you.
if we ain't got no enemy The Popo and the BP DHS and Army Honeywell and L3 Razor wires, UAVs Officer, excuse me please Said I'm just eating my burrito Not the droid you're looking for See you all on payday See you at the Safeway Bisbee lives on crazy checks BP on that fast pay I sing my hooly blues, y'all I don't make the rules, y'all Just paying my dues, y'all But I'm just saying Sorry, hippies If Great White Father don't make payroll Forget about your maypole It's just the one thing That ain't too clear I said people always bitching About the government here But that war administration's Our whole civilization, what?